Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our, and hopefully your, amusement. I am your mysteriously vanishing of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Oh my God, Gary, where'd you go? I, I, I can't see you, Gary. I'm back. Okay. I am the mysterious voice in the void. But... Before we begin, Goldie Ann, did you know that the Bermuda Triangle used to be known as the Bermuda Rectangle? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, really. Oh, God. But that was until one of the sides mysteriously vanished. Wow. Okay. And with that, we're going to... <laughs> to be honest, um, this episode is definitely tempting fate, as yeah. it is being uploaded for you to listen to on the day... Goldie Ann and I are leaving for a week-long cruise to the Caribbean, <laughs> which means that we are going to be traveling through our subject of today. So if we disappear, it would be incredibly creepy, but we hope you enjoy this and know that we appreciate everything you have done to support us. But send a lifeboat. Yeah, no kidding. In addition, I want to let everyone know that once we do return... And I do have every confidence that we will. I will be updating our YouTube channel to improve the video version of our podcast episodes. Awesome. Yeah. Basically, I want to add visuals to our audio chats and to provide the video from all of our interview episodes. Not not in, not visions of ourselves, huh? Uh, eventually, yes. Once I get all caught up. We don't want to break their computers. Well, if they're scared, they can always go to the pure audio version. Okay, cool. Now, I'm not sure how long all of this will take, but I think it should go pretty quick. And it will definitely be a channel you want to check out. So keep your ears open for any news about our YouTube channel coming up. Cool. Now, today's episode contains stories about disappearances and possible wrecks of various planes and ships. Some members of the audience might find this a bit unsettling, so be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. Dun, dun, dun. So now, let's take a walk within the mist. Also known as the Devil's Triangle, there is an infamous area of the Atlantic Ocean. It is connected by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. It has been the location of strange disappearances of ships and aircraft since the mid-19th century. The questions we have to ask are, could supernatural forces be responsible for these occurrences? Some of the more common reasons for missing vessels include hurricanes, undersea earthquakes, and magnetic fields that interfere with compasses and other positioning devices. However, there are more interesting theories that the disappearing vessels were drawn into another dimension, or they were swept away by aliens, or simply vanished into thin air. Wow. Today, we discuss the Bermuda Triangle. Well, I'll say that this is awesome, because when I was little, I loved the Bermuda Triangle. 
I did book reports on it at school and projects and essays. I mean, it's been so fascinating to me. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it was actually difficult for me to create this episode because there has been so many cases of disappearances into the Bermuda Triangle. It was hard for me to pick and choose to fit within our 45-minute to an hour format. Right. So even though this won't be complete, I think I picked some of the more interesting stories and a variety of uh, topics that touched upon the Bermuda Triangle. Awesome. Let's go. And with that, Chapter 1, Discovering the Mysterious New World. Stories of strange activity within the Bermuda Triangle date back hundreds of years. Some of the earliest are the stories told by Christopher Columbus and his crew. During his first journey across the Atlantic Ocean in 1492, Columbus reported many strange sightings within the Bermuda Triangle. The first of these was that the stars appeared to move around in the night sky. According to his own logs, the light seemed to move erratically across the night sky as he entered this region of the sea. Without warning, Christopher Columbus wrote that one of the lights changed its course and plummeted downward. It was a great distance off, but it was obvious that it crashed into the ocean. Mm, Shooting star? That is one theory. Comet. Well, meteorite, yes. (laughs) There is even another report that Columbus saw a light, much like that of a candle, moving up and down in the distance. When he asked his crew to look at the light, it vanished and reappeared many times. Later, Columbus wrote that he saw a glowing object coming out of the water and then shooting towards the sky. Cool. An entry in his log on October 11th of 1492 read, translated, The land was first seen by a sailor called Rodrigo de Triana. Although the admiral at 10 o'clock that evening standing on the quarterdeck saw a light, but so small body that he could not affirm that it was land. He had told one of his crewmates that he saw a light and bid him to look that way, which he did, and he saw it. He did the same thing to Rodrigo Sanchez, whom the king and queen had sent with the squadron as comptroller, but he was unable to see it from his situation. Again, they perceived it once or twice, appearing like the light of a wax candle moving up and down, which some thought an indication of land, but the admiral held it for certain that land was not near. So even documented in an actual logbook by Christopher Columbus, they were seeing strange lights within the Bermuda Triangle. That's cool. In fact, many people think that this must have been a light on the shore or from another ship, which seems very unlikely for 1492 that two ships are going to come across each other in the Bermuda Triangle. But, The more interesting theories are that some people believe that Columbus saw a UFO within the Bermuda Triangle. Cool. So I wonder if he was the first person ever. The first that was documented by the uh, Europeans, yes. Okay. At least in the Bermuda Triangle. Conspiracy theorists have claimed that the Bermuda Triangle could be home to an underwater alien base, which could explain a grouping of the mysterious disappearances. Um, There have been some movies that have shown that aliens live underwater, such as The Abyss. Yes. Which is a great movie. movie. But uh, yeah, the aliens aren't on land and they actually exist underwater. 
It is possible that a race of alien life is more suited to life underwater than on land. Researchers have already estimated that the ocean may be home to 700,000 marine species, with 90% unexplored. So the number of different life forms in the oceans could be even greater. Oh, absolutely. So why isn't it possible that aliens are also underwater creatures? Hmm. And Christopher Columbus was watching a landing and takeoff point within the Bermuda Triangle for one of these alien colonies or spaceships. Though the UFO theory could be countered with meteors crashings or lights from the shore, there are other mysteries that suggest that the Bermuda Triangle is a trap to make people just vanish. Chapter 2, The Ellen Austin Cursed Salvage The Ellen Austin was a 210-foot American schooner that would transverse across the Bermuda Triangle frequently. In 1881, she met with another ship that she found drifting aimlessly and erratically. They came across it, and it seemed to have been abandoned, but still very seaworthy. In order to claim salvage rights to this unnamed ship, the captain sent a prize crew on board the silent and bobbing craft. When the crew boarded the ship and performed a thorough inspection, they confirmed that there was not a single person on board, living or dead. And this is documented. Up to this point, yes. I'll tell you where it starts drifting off into the undocumented. But all of this, yes, has actually been documented. Okay. Now, the crew could not determine the cause for the ship to be abandoned as there was no damage to the craft and no sign of any violence having taken place to the crew. Everything was as it should have been, including their personal belongings, food rations, etc. Even the cargo of mahogany wood was still intact in the cargo hold. The captain ordered the prize crew to take over and guide the ship alongside the Ellen Austin to New York. As they sailed forward, two days later, the ships got separated by a storm. When the storm finally subsided, the unknown ship was nowhere to be seen. This wasn't unusual because because of the storm, it was hard to keep track of where each ship was. Okay. Several days later, the Ellen Austin was finally able to locate the errant ship, and again, it appeared to be sailing erratically. Upon reaching alongside, just like last time, The entire new crew was missing without a trace. Holy shit! The captain, though confused, did not want to pass up on the rewards of the salvage. He tried to send another group of crew to the unknown ship. This time, (laughs) however, the crew were too frightened to board a cursed craft and refused. No kidding. The Ellen Austin finally left the unknown vessel behind to its fate and moved on without it. So the per- That's crazy. Yeah, the first part of it, finding the ship and trying to send over a salvage crew and then that crew disappearing is all true. There's, It's not really documented about what happened to the ship after they found it and found the crew off. Most of it is hearsay that, yeah, the crew definitely didn't want to get on board and they just left it. Other variations are that a second uh, crew got on board, another storm came up, Then the ship disappeared, and the crew with it, and they were never found again. Three times. Three times. Wow. That one's not documented. That's not documented. That's why I think the 
crew not going on board is a little bit more feasible. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more willing to buy that. Oh, definitely. If you come across a ghost ship that has no name on it, like the name was scratched off of the boat, the logbook is gone, so there's no name on this boat, your friends get on that boat, and then they disappear, and now the captain wants you to get on board, I'm pretty sure I would have refused. Um, even I would refuse, and I'm you know, pretty cool about that shit. Exactly. Now, it could have been easy to explain the first crew disappearance as a case of piracy, which would be the reason for the missing name and the missing logbook. However, there was no indication of piracy and no opportunity involving the second disappearance. The ship disappeared well, in a storm, and it was only a matter of days before yeah. the crew disappeared. Definitely not enough time for pirates. Well, yeah, but piracy involves taking the food, taking the loot, taking the mahogany wood, so it couldn't be. Exactly. It definitely doesn't make sense for it to be piracy. Well, piracy is taking what is on the ship and but the ship. what if it wasn't piracy for the treasure? What if there are paranormal forces... What if they use the unknown craft as bait? Many sailors have superstition of ghosts, such as the Flying Dutchman or Davy Jones' locker. Could ghosts create a ship to lure sailors on board to abduct them? And that this is basically a supernatural trap to collect souls. That's awesome. That is one theory behind this. Many ghost ships are legends and tales, but there do exist many occurrences where real ghost ships have emerged from the sea the world over. Sometimes the reasons these vessels become abandoned is known, but other times no one knows what happens to the crew of many of these uninhabited boats. People just simply vanish from on board. That's awesome. I mean, you know. In a for... scary, sad way, <laughs> yes, it is very awesome. And again, you worry me. I know. But so there is a possibility that there are ghosts or demons or something like that uh, that are using these ships out there to attract sailors and then snatching them for who knows what. And enough to scare other sailors to definitely stay away from these cursed ships. Cool. But what if it's not just ghosts, but what if it also affects their minds? Chapter three. Sailing into insanity. Cool. If the <laughs> Sorry, I know. <clears throat> <laughs> I worry you. Yes, I, I, I am definitely worried. <laughs> Anyways, as I as I try to protect myself, if the Bermuda Triangle swallows up ships and planes, could it also make a man go mad? Perhaps that's what happened on the Teen Mouth Electron in 1969. Never heard of this one. Well, in this case, a businessman named Donald Crowhurst had set sail from London on October 31st of 1968. He was traveling in a triple-hulled 40-foot boat designed featuring his own safety interventions with intentions to win the Sunday Times Golden Globe race. Cool. This is a round-the-world yacht race. That so sounds fun. He was participating against other yachts, and they were sailing from London and racing around the world. Cool. Well, he was a relatively inexperienced sailor. He obtained the backing of a demanding investor, so he had a lot on the line. So he hired an aggressive publicist. 
With his fortune and pride riding on a successful voyage, Crowhurst got off to a slow start, and his boat was plagued with problems throughout the first leg across the Atlantic. He even considered turning back due to his bad luck. However, he would have had to face his investor and would have had to face the bad publicity. Exactly. Instead, he was reporting incredible times and progress to his publicist. Even though he actually left the race and was just floating around in the Atlantic. Shame on him. Now, when Crowhurst finally began his journey home, he found out that his closest competitor, his ship, had sunk. Oh, so he could win. Woohoo! No, it's worse than that. He, <laughs> it, with the other ships sinking, his lies were going to become found out. Oh. Because there was going to be an investigation, sure. and they would dis- discover that he actually wasn't doing as well as he told his publicists and investors. Ah, so yes. his fake would become discovered. True. Now, fearing that the truth about his deceptions would be discovered, Crowhurst apparently jumped overboard and drowned himself in the area of the Bermuda Triangle. Well, the Electron was found abandoned in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle in July of 1969 with the last entry of his accurate logbook dated June 29th. Supposedly, the logbook showed a deterioration of his mind over the time as he got more and more hallucinations, Ah. confusion, and fear, paranoia. That's cool. So it seems that the Bermuda Triangle was affecting his mental state. Was there water on board? What do you mean? Maybe he was getting dehydrated and going into hallucinations. There's a lot of things that would explain why he was, you know, having mental problems. But some of the stories were saying that it was caused by the Bermuda Triangle's effect on people. Absolutely. Cool. The ship then had several different owners until it was left to decay in the Cayman Islands. Hmm. So a lot of other people tried to own this yacht, but... There seemed to be a curse on it, and it started affecting anyone who would sail on it. Wow. So That's a ghost ship. Exactly. So something happened to this ship that started to affect anyone who would be on board. Could the Bermuda Triangle do more than affect the compasses and electronics of crafts traveling through it? Could it also affect the minds of those, causing hallucinations and confusion? We'll be back after a quick break. Greetings from Film the World Podcast. I'm your host, Trick O'More. I would like to extend an invitation for y'all to come check out our podcast. We take a look at book reviews, one a week, movies, music, pop culture, and UAP. Our hottest download is Dreamland from George Knapp's Bob Lazar Saga. Thanks for checking out Film the World Podcast. Well, think of this. Um... So if the Bermuda Triangle, you know, causes you to just aimlessly circle and you can't figure out what's north, you can't figure out where to go, you you end up in the same spot you thought you were moving away from, after a while you're going to go crazy. And that is one of the theories is that what the Bermuda Triangle does to you. And this boat is one example of proving that. Definitely another theory to consider. Yeah. Also, there are some cases where it's not just one or two people who disappear, but Chapter 4, the single largest loss of life in U.S. naval history not involving combat. Oh, no. I don't know if I want to hear this story. Mm -hmm. 
again, a lot of the Bermuda Triangle stories do not end well. This one occurred during World War I. The USS Cyclops, commanded by Lieutenant G.W. Worley, was originally carrying coal for the U.S. Navy and stayed mostly on the east coast of the United States. That would change in 1918 when it was sent to Brazil to refuel Allied ships. As it became part of the military, it had 309 people on board and the ship left Rio de Janeiro in February and reached Barbados in March. After it left that part, it sailed into the Bermuda Triangle and the Cyclops was never heard from again. Wow. There was no distress signal, no communications of where they were. It vanished off the face of the planet. That's all we know about it? It's just 300 people just gone? Never heard of again? Well, it was initially thought that the ship was captured or sunk by a German raider or submarine. Again, this is World War One, So it's possible that the ship was discovered by the Germans and was sunk. Because she was carrying over 10,000 tons of manganese, which was used to produce munitions. So it would be a prime target for the Germans. True. Just to basically stop the war effort. However, the Navy says in its official statement that the disappearance of this ship has been one of the most baffling mysteries in the annals of Navy. All attempts to locate her having proved unsuccessful. Wow. There were no enemy submarines in the Western Atlantic at that time. And in December of 1918, the United States made every effort to obtain from the German sources information regarding the disappearance of the vessel. The Germans weren't involved. Wow. No documentation of them being involved with the USS Cyclops was ever reached. In any event, the Cyclops never arrived in Baltimore. There was no wreckage of the ship. And nothing was ever found. Quoted, this tragedy stands as the single largest loss of life in U.S. naval history not involving combat. A quote from U.S. President Woodrow Wilson. That's insane. Gets worse. Oh, God. Could something have been striving to stop the progression of war? Could an outside force have attacked the USS Cyclops to stop it from bringing manganese to assist the war efforts of World War I. The USS Cyclops was lost during World War I, and then two of her sister ships, the Proteus and the Nereus, also vanished at sea during World War II due to unknown causes. Very wow. similar cases, very similar situations. So that means three of the same types of ships, all christened at the same times, all three disappeared because of the Bermuda Triangle. Wow. This means that something caused three warcrafts to vanish without a trace. That's insane. Now, there's a lot of theories of aliens or extraterrestrials trying to slow down the Earth's self-destruction by limiting our war efforts and combat amongst ourselves could this have been a case where someone was trying to slow down world war one and world war two by sinking or abducting three ship worth of crew hmm. well i mean nowadays you have all the you know activists in every aspect of life but there wasn't that stuff back then. 
No. And even if even if That's an activist tough. or someone was trying to sink the ship, like I said, even if the Germans had sunk the ships, there would still be wreckage. Right. The crew had complete ability to send a radio signal indicating an SOS. Wow. None of this happened for any of these cases. And no they one's were, ever found these ships, sunken mm, or not. Correct. There's been no documentation of any wreckage found. It's as if they just vanished and left us with a mystery. That's insane. Well, the mystery continues because Chapter 5, flying into another dimension. Hello. On the afternoon of December 5th, 1945, five Avenger-type torpedo bombers left the Naval Air Station at Fort Lauderdale, Florida with Lieutenant Charles Taylor in command of a crew of 13 student pilots. So you have 13 student pilots and Lieutenant Taylor right. flying in five planes over the Bermuda Triangle. So why are people still doing it after all this? You know, Why fly over that? <laughs> in this case, it was part of a training run. That's what I mean. Why? Well, no I mean, one... I don't expect. That's kind of a rhetorical question. Exactly. Question. Because you I mean, can't cause prove, like, <laughs> you can't prove that anything is going on, and we don't operate off of superstitions. Everything could be logically explained, but there's just enough mystery to prevent us from completely accepting the logical. Correct. In fact, Taylor had about 2,500 flying hours, and this was mostly an aircraft of this type. He had completed a combat tour in the Pacific Theater as a torpedo bomber pilot on the aircraft carrier USS Hancock and had recently arrived from Miami, where he had also been a torpedo bombing plane instructor. Hmm. So we're talking about someone very experienced with the plane, right? very experienced as an instructor, and used to combat situations. Right. Wow. His trainee pilots each had 300 total hours of training including 60 flight hours. They had recently completed other training missions in the same area where the flight was to be taking place. So they'd already been there. They'd already been there, and they've already done other training flights in the flying through that same area. Okay. This was supposed to be a routine navigation and combat training exercise. These are torpedo bombers, which are designed to drop torpedoes into the water, which will then attack ships and sink them right so that's their whole mission so that's what they were going to practice doing they were going to fly over the bermuda triangle through this reef area drop their torpedoes and practice attack runs the assignment was called navigation problem number one (laughs) well that was their first problem well it a problem means it was they were going to do a situation. Okay. So they were going to be given a scenario, and they were supposed to figure it out, and then they were supposed to do the bombing run. Okay. In fact, it was a combination of bombing and navigation. In fact, other flights had already completed the same exercise, and there were others scheduled to undertake this on the same day. Hmm. So this was just one of a routine that was going to happen during that day. Wow. Each plane was fully fueled, and during the pre-flight checks, it was discovered that they were all missing clocks. So they were never installed, or they were just gone? It says here that they were all missing. Wow. So maybe they were taken out to create some difficulties for the navigations of the crew. 
The navigation of the route was intended to teach them dead reckoning principles, which involves calculating, amongst other things, elapsed time. So they took the clocks out to try and make them figure out time based upon fuel usage, where the sun was, that kind of thing. Right. So they were trying to make it a little bit more difficult, more challenging to them. The apparent lack of timekeeping equipment was not a cause for concern, as it was assumed that each man had his own watch. Huh. Okay. So it should not have been a big deal at all. Takeoff was scheduled for 1345. Right. Do you know what 1345 means? Um, yeah, it's 345. <laughs> no. Uh, it's on a, it's on a, you take away 12, so it'd be 145 in the local time. All right, 12, one, yeah. See, I'm supposed to know military time. I know, that's why I was throwing it at you. Okay, anyways, takeoff was scheduled for 145 p.m. local time. But the late arrival of the instructor, Taylor, delayed departure until 1410, or 2 o'clock. That's why I messed up, because I know 1400 hours is 2 o'clock. So instead of going backwards, I went forwards to 3 o'clock. And then you're going to fit right in with the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So they were supposed to take off at low after one, and because of Taylor, the instructor being late, they got a later start. Okay. The weather at Fort Lauderdale was described as favorable, sea state moderate to rough, which means that the air was fine, but the waves were a little bit choppy. Okay. The radio conversations between the pilots were overheard by the base and other aircraft in the area. So this wasn't like they were on a secret channel or hidden away. It was a training mission. So the base could hear them. The towers could hear them. Even other aircraft in the area could hear these pilots. Okay. The practice bombing operation was known to have been carried out because at 1500, 3 o'clock, a pilot requested and was given permission to drop his last bomb. Wow. So all the way up to this point, up to 3 o'clock, everything was going perfectly. And the radio chatter gave no indications of problems. However, 40 minutes later, another flight instructor, Lieutenant Robert F. Cox, who was getting ready for teaching his own students to do the exact same mission, received an unidentified transmission on his radio. The unidentified crew member asked Powers one of the other students, for his compass reading. Powers replied, quote, I don't know where we are. We must have got lost after that last turn. The instructor at the base, Cox, then transmitted, This is FT-74, plane or boat, calling yourself Powers. Please identify yourself so someone can help you. So obviously, this other instructor realized that this was one of the students and was offering to help him. Right. At first, it was quiet. Then the response, after a few moments, was a request from others in the flight for suggestions. So now all the students are asking Lieutenant Cox for help. Lieutenant Cox tried again, and a man identified as FT-28, which was Lieutenant Taylor, came on. He said, Both of my compasses are out, Taylor replied, and I am trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So at first, Taylor didn't respond to the radio communications from Cox or from his own students. And when he finally does respond, he says that both of his compasses are out and he's lost. He then continues to say, I am over land, but it's broken up. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. 
So now you have the instructor is, he's lost. Right. And he's the... He's the guy in charge. Yeah. Cox advised Taylor to put the sun on his port wing and fly north up the coast towards Miami, as long as he was sure he was over the Keys. Although he was an experienced pilot, Taylor got horribly turned around, and the more he tried to get out of the Keys, the further out to sea he and his crew traveled. Wow. So the mission was, according to Cox, is that if he would put his put the sun on his port, uh, which is his left wing, and fl- that would cause him to fly north. And if he flew north, he would find Miami, as long as he was over the Keys. Somehow, or for some reason, Taylor didn't do this. Hmm. Kind of a flashback to the mental confusion that the me- that Bermuda Triangle seems to create on people. Right. Wow. At 1656, or just before 5 o'clock in the p.m., Taylor was again asked to turn on his transmitter for the YG if he had one. This would have enabled surveillance radar to measure the bearing and distance of his plane using detected reflections of radio signals. It would send out a different frequency that the radar could pick up and triangulate his position. Right. They received no response from Taylor if he had one or if he had turned one on. He did not acknowledge the base, but a few minutes later, he advised his students, change course to 90 degrees, or due east, for 10 minutes. So now, instead of going north, he was going to fly east. Yeah, because that makes perfect sense. But how does he know he's going east? He doesn't have a compass. Well, And he couldn't even follow the keys. Yes, he's trying to base it off of the sun's position. And at about the same time, one of his students said, Damn it, if we could just fly west, we would get home. Head west, damn it. So now his own students are getting concerned about Taylor. Right. The difference of opinion later led to questions about why the students didn't just simply head west on their own. Right. This was explained that this could be attributed to military discipline. True, because you can get in trouble. Well, and you're also supposed to trust your leaders. Right. So they're students, they, they're being led by a guy who has combat experience, 2,500 hours. The military discipline says that you do what he says. Right. Even though they said that they should go west. So they second-guessed themselves and followed Taylor. Now the weather deteriorated. Radio contact became intermittent, and it was believed that the five aircraft by this point were more than 200 nautical miles out to sea east of the Florida Peninsula. Taylor radioed, We'll fly 270 degrees west until landfall or running out of gas. Oh, yay. So now he was flying 90 degrees, which is due east, and then he decides 200 miles later that they're going to change and go 270 degrees exact opposite direction and fly west until they either reach land or they run out of gas. Wow. Yes. You can tell Taylor is pretty much gone. Gone. (laughs) He is completely confused. At 1804, so just after 6 o'clock, Taylor radioed to his flight holding 270, which is due west. Now it gets even worse. The confusion's really setting in from the Bermuda Triangle. He makes a comment. We didn't fly far enough east. We may as well just turn around and fly east again. Oh, my God. 
Exactly. So they're just going back and forth. They're basically right. in a circle. They're just running out of gas. Well, by this time, the weather had deteriorated even more, and the sun had set. Oh, yay. So now they don't even have the sun to guide them, and the weather is messing everything up. Right. At 18.20, so 6.20 p.m., Taylor's last message was received. He was heard saying, quote, All planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. Wow. Come on, every man for himself. Well, that was the last radio signal that the five planes left. As night fell, the reception of radio signals worsened until finally there was nothing at all from Flight 19. As it became obvious that the flight was lost, air bases, aircraft, and merchant ships were all alerted to look out for the five crashing planes. A consolidated PBY Catalina, with the call sign PBM-5, took off and departed after 6 o'clock in search of Flight 19. This rescue plane was supposed to guide them back if they could be located. The plane took off from Naval Air Station Banana River, which is now known as Patrick Space Force Base, and called in a routine radio message. But then, it was never heard from again. What? He was lost too? Yep. God. So now you've lost the five planes, and then you have the rescue plane goes out, and in about... An hour and a half after it takes off, it gives one routine radio message. Doesn't even say it's in trouble. And then they're never heard from again. Wow. So now you've lost six planes. The official U.S. Navy investigation report states that Taylor's confusion caused the disaster. But the official report reads that the planes went down for causes unknown. The planes nor any wreckage have ever been recovered. So six planes crashed, and we don't know what happened to any of them. Wow. We'll be back after a quick break. This podcast is the result of years of phenomenological trial and error. It is the product of attempt after attempt after attempt. It is also the product of years of introspective analysis, brought on by the occurrence of the strange and seemingly impossible. It began as an inquiry into the nature of reality. It is not a work of fiction. It is a work intended to be scrupulously followed for the desired results. Only a mind free of any doubt will accomplish the task of synthetically producing a glitch. Learn how, on how to create a glitch in the matrix. So, I know I'm jumping into the future here. But to this day, has anything been found? Oh yeah, to this day, there's still nothing has been found. Trust me, if there had been anything found of any of these planes, that would be headline news. Wow. Theory-wise, if you want to go beyond just Taylor screwing up and causing the uh, five planes to go down, Flight 19 is featured in the 1977 science fiction film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And this gives another theory. <laughs> in the film's opening, the aircraft, the five planes, are discovered in the Sonoran Desert in pristine condition with full fuel tanks. One of the several mysterious events that implies extraterrestrial activity. Okay, I'm going to have to rewatch that. I've been wanting to rewatch it anyway. I love that movie. But yes, uh, the 
Flight 19, according to the movie, were transported by aliens, and the planes were found in a desert hundreds upon thousands of miles away, in a desert. Hmm. Then, in the film's ending scene, the crew returned to Earth from the alien mothership, seemingly the same age as their disappearance. Wow. This theory <laughs> suggests that the Bermuda Triangle is a doorway to another dimension, and that its magnetic interference is actually caused by portals that open to a place that we know nothing about. So if the conditions are just right, supposedly a wormhole opens up in the Bermuda Triangle that swallows up ships, that swallows up planes, and teleports them to some place that we have no other access to. Wow. Kind of scary, but it does explain <laughs> it if you want to go into the supernatural aspects yeah. of it. So those were the stories that I picked out because I thought they were the most interesting and the most varied of uh, disappearances within the Bermuda Triangle. However, other fictional movies always utilize the Bermuda Triangle. Just right. like the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the Bermuda Triangle is perfect subject for movies. In regards to every genre, you can watch, there. I picked out The Devil's Triangle, which is about a group of marine biologists who crash land in the Bermuda Triangle. They come across an island. They realize they've stumbled onto the lost city of Atlantis, which is another theory is that right. Atlantis doesn't actually over there by Greece, but was actually a complete ocean away and actually existed in Bermuda. I'm not buying that one. Well, <laughs> probably a good movie, though. Yes, but that is one other theory, is that Bermuda yeah. Triangle is actually home of Atlantis. Okay. Then there's another theory for movies. is called Bermuda Tentacles. Okay. Which the plot is, when Air Force One goes down over the Bermuda Triangle, the Navy sends its best rescue team. But in saving the president, the team awakens a monster. Dun, dun, dun. So the theory of this movie is that the Bermuda Triangle, what's causing all the wrecks, is a giant kraken or monster in the sea that basically swallows up ships and can actually knock down planes. That's believable. Okay. <laughs> so, we, so that's another theory that you could go for. Then there's the land that time forgot. This movie is about shipwrecked castaways who stumble upon a mysterious island of Caprona in the Bermuda Triangle. There, they are confronted by man-eating dinosaurs and a stranded German U-boat. Okay. So this one plays into the dimensional, uh, but instead of changing you to places, it teleports you to different times. Yeah. So this island basically exists in a time bubble in the Bermuda Triangle. Cool. That's why I said the Bermuda Triangle has so many stories that you could you know, follow into it. I mean, there's even comedies uh, that take advantage of the mysteries of Bermuda Triangle. Jack Black uh, had a movie in 2010 called Gulliver's Travels. In his version of the famous story, they utilize the Bermuda Triangle as how he ends up at the tiny nation of Lilliput. <laughs> so right. even comedies, I mean, Scooby-Doo has mysteries in the Bermuda Triangle. If you want to have a movie marathon, Bermuda Triangle is an easy pick for that. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I'm kind of thinking, so what about nowadays? I mean, can you dive there? Oh, yes. I mean, there are planes, I there mean, are cruises. When's the last time that something happened there? 
They haven't figured it all out? Well, there are so many reasons for ships to sink and planes to crash. And it doesn't just happen in the Bermuda Triangle. Ships sink all over the Atlantic, the North Sea, the Pacific. It doesn't just happen in the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle just seems to capture the fascination of the public when something happens there. In fact, it has been incredibly rare after the 1940s that anything has ever happened in the Bermuda Triangle. Hmm. So it's kind of like the mystery of the area has kind of died out. Wow. That's kind of sad. need to make it back. Um, okay, let's hopefully not while we're on a cruise ship traveling <laughs> through the Bermuda Triangle. And if you are listening to this and something does happen to us, I'm blaming Goldie Ann because she just wished that it would. I think it's a good story. Okay, it's only a good story if we come back to tell it. Uh, we could be famous. I'd like to be famous and present. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, your game is very well known, but we don't. We have no idea what happened to him. Well, hoping that we will be back next week after our cruise in the Bermuda Triangle. A disappointed Goldie Ann and I will. No, disappointed me. I guess you won't be disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> well, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would also like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this on to help promote our show. We are on all the social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about what happened to all those vanishings within the Bermuda Triangle. You can reach us on our Facebook page within the Miss Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter, plus we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. We love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. For those that may need a daily dose of cryptids and ghosts, we have a TikTok channel which gives a few minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Bermuda Triangle and we'll come again for another episode. But until then, take that cruise ship and remain constantly (laughs) curious. Goodbye, everyone. I want to add in, don't forget Paranormality Magazine. They're doing their uh, digital and paper subscriptions now. And don't forget to vote for your top ten podcasts. You know, meaning us. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) 